BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. A not guilty plea for a man facing the possibility of the death penalty for the murder of his ex-girlfriend, a high school basketball star. Thanks for joining me for Crime Fix. I'm Anjanette Levy. Chase Cook appeared in court in Cleveland County, Oklahoma this week. He's accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend, Maddie Bills, in April of last year. Bills was a bright girl, destined for great things. She was a straight-A student at Moore High School and planned to play basketball at Northeastern Oklahoma A&M College. Police say last April, Chase Cook broke into the pool house that Maddie Bills used as a bedroom at the home that she shared with her adult brothers and recorded himself raping her and then killed her. According to an affidavit, Bills told people she feared Cook so much that she actually thought about staying in the main house with her brothers. Recently, the DA announced he would seek the death penalty against Chase Cook with the support of Maddie's family. Greg Mashburn said there were aggravating circumstances and the murder was especially heinous, atrocious, and cruel. The DA also believes that Cook would continue to commit violent crimes that pose a danger to society. This week, Cook stood silent when asked to enter a plea, so the judge entered a not guilty plea for him. Dave Ehrenberg is the state attorney for Palm Beach County in Florida, and he's joining me to discuss this case. Dave, uh, you run a prosecutor's office, so when you seek the death penalty, that has to sometimes be a tough decision. I know that it's governed by state statute, but still, it's a heavy, heavy thing to have to decide. Yes, Anjanette, I have a committee and the committee recommends to me. And I remember when I first started at this job, the committee of homicide prosecutors, my most experienced people in the office met, there were about eight of them and they came up with an eight to zero conclusion one way or the other. And then I said, okay, next case. And then they stood there and they stared at me. And I said, what? I said, you have to make the decision. We're just advisory. So, because the buck stops here, when you are the DA, or in my case, we call them state attorneys, the decision is purely mine. And, you know, you want to make sure you have all the information because this is probably the most consequential decision that you have to make in this job. But when you have some guidance from state statutes, and every state has guidance, it's not just willy-nilly you decide to seek the death penalty. There have to be certain aggravators present. And then you balance them against mitigators. And here, the district attorney, I think, did the right thing in seeking capital punishment. It's a particularly troubling, gruesome accusation here. Yeah, the allegations uh, are really, really sad and awful and gruesome. Um, He called them particularly heinous and cruel, the, the DA did, citing the statute. And really, the allegation here is that Maddie Bills 
feared Chase Cook and that he broke into the pool house that was essentially her bedroom. Um, the police say that they have a video from his cell phone that recorded him sexually assaulting her um, before murdering her. That evidence, if that is indeed what that video shows, we haven't seen it. His defense attorneys, to our knowledge, have not seen it. it would be very strong evidence, wouldn't it? Definitely. He used the words atrocious and cruel. Heinous, atrocious, and cruel is actually in the Florida statutes as an aggravator. That's why you see those words used a lot. Uh, but yeah, if you go in there and you are recording yourself committing a violent sexual assault and then you murder someone, there, those are uh, a number of aggravators there, and that would lead a prosecutor to seek the death penalty. I mean, the fact that she knew that she was about to die, she, and it's just, it, it's just awful, the whole, all the accusations. Now, these are accusations. They have to be proven in court, but prosecutor just has to base their decision on whether to seek the death penalty on the facts as we know them and the allegations as we know them. And then it's up to the jury to have to decide unanimously. It's not easy to get the death penalty. A Florida member had, couldn't get it for the Parkland massacre kid. They, uh, I'm not going to say his name, the one who shot up Marjorie Stoneman Douglas School. So we lowered the amount of people to get the death penalty from unanimous to eight to four. But in uh, Oklahoma, I believe it's still unanimous. Right. And the death penalty, it seems like there have been some things that have changed. I, I think society's viewpoints about it have changed. And in a lot of states, uh, I know uh, where I live particularly, I mean, they can't get the drugs to carry out these executions. And, and a lot of times they seem to not even happen um, because of reasons for those reasons um, also these appeals on death penalty cases take a really long time. I mean, they can take 20 years or longer, and sometimes uh, defendants go all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court asking for stays. It is frustrating because you want to have justice. You want to have the administration of the penalty that a jury and a judge come up with, and yet you have 20 years of death row, and that's something that uh, I think puts a some sand in the gears of justice. And I think that's why there needs to be a better way to have faster reviews because it hurts not only the cause of justice, but also victims who are being victimized again, having to go through endless hearings, having to wait, not knowing if there's ever gonna be closure in their case. So I, I do think that is a flaw in the system. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Let's look at it from the defense side for a second here. Um, you have to prepare for two phases of trial, of course. Um, you know, the trial phase and then potentially mitigation phase if there's a conviction. Um, the evidence in this case, you know, we haven't seen it presented in a court, but we have the affidavit. Uh, they claim they've got the cell phone evidence. They have video of a man hopping a fence around the time that this offense would have occurred. Uh, they said they have him basically saying that he was in Galveston, Texas, but they say he really wasn't. 
Um, so there are all these things. Uh, he, he eventually asked for a lawyer uh, during the questioning. There are all these things that the state is going to say add up to him being guilty of this crime, along with his DNA. So uh, from a defense attorney's perspective, how, what do you do with something like this? I mean, how do you defend this case? Do you try to say that somehow this was consensual and things got out of hand? I mean, I, I don't know how you go about that. To my experience, when the evidence seems overwhelming, you attack, you attack law enforcement. You go after the investigation. And you say, you jumped to conclusions and jumped to my client, but did you do this, this, and this? And you could have law enforcement that does everything right, that does a hundred things right. And you'd say, ah, well, you didn't do 101. And all you have to do is to prove some, or give one juror some reasonable doubt. Just give one juror some reasonable doubt, and that's a hung jury. And so that is one strategy. Another strategy is try to cut the best deal you can for your client, saying, we're going to avoid the trial. We're going to avoid the pain of putting witnesses through all this and take a plea to avoid the death penalty, for example. So we'll see which way they go. Already, you're starting to see the defense lawyers not argue the substance of this, but argue process, saying, we don't have the documents we're supposed to get. This is a discovery violation. But of course, it's not, because under Oklahoma law, you don't have to turn over this stuff until... Uh, closer to trial. So uh, I think right now the fact they're arguing process tells you a lot about this case already. Yeah, and a lot of states, uh, they're not required to turn over discovery, which is the evidence in the case. That process isn't required to start until after the time of arraignment, and that just happened this week. Dave, something similar happened in this case to something that happened in Brian Koberger's case in Idaho. His attorneys, when asked to enter a plea, stood silent, meaning they said, we're standing silent. We're, we're not pleading not guilty. That forces the judge then to enter a not guilty plea on his behalf. So what's the strategy there? There are different strategies. One explanation is that if he eventually tries to uh, get a lighter sentence or to plea, it looks like he wasn't lying. Like, like if he wants to show remorse at some point and you know plead to the court, it's harder to do so when you first say, not guilty. Now he can say, I, I never said that. And now he perhaps looks more sympathetic in the future as someone who's going to take responsibility. So he leaves that open. But another thing is that, you know, sometimes if you have the right to remain silent and not speak up, you know, you just don't do so in a high profile case. You don't give uh, the internet, the court of public opinion, anything to work with. You just stay silent, let the lawyers do the talking and then just live to fight another day. So there are different strategies involved. I mean, I personally think that if you have a client who is articulating and can just say a few words, that actually helps you in the court of public opinion. It humanizes you as opposed to someone who's been accused of the worst of the worst crimes and then just stays silent. But you know, every defense lawyer has to uh, come up with their own explanation. Interesting. Uh, well, what do you see happening with this case? Do you think this is something that will take a really long time to go to trial because they have to do prepare for mitigation? Or um, do you think this is something where there's a potential for a plea deal? I guess that's always a possibility. Well, defendants have the right to a speedy trial. They can invoke what we call speedy, and then the clock starts ticking. But a lot of defendants waive speedy because they want to get more evidence. They hope that witnesses either... Uh, become unavailable, their memories fade, evidence spoils. So delays inert to the benefit of the defendant. That's why they'll waste be a trial. 
because it looks like the prosecution's got the goods already. I mean, they've got the most powerful evidence already, I think. They've got the cell phone video, the defendant's own cell phone video showing this violent sexual assault and perhaps more. Uh, it shows you that we prosecutors feast on the stupidity of defendants. Criminal defendants sometimes can make our job a lot easier. Dave Ehrenberg, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me, Anjanette. I would like to note that I invited Chase Cook's attorney on this show to give her side of the story. She called my coverage sensationalistic and dangerous and referred me to the pleadings in the case. So she was invited on the show. I wanted to make that clear. That's it for this edition of Crime Fix. I'm Anjanette Levy. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you back here next time. Until then, have a great night. You can download Crime Fix on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your favorite podcasts and new episodes post each weeknight at 6 Eastern time on Law & Crime's YouTube channel. Daniel Camacho does our video editing. Our head of social media is Bobby Zoki. Our senior director of social media is Vanessa Vine. Savannah Williamson is one of our producers. Diane Kay and Alyssa Fisher book our guests. And Brad Maybe is our audio editor. 